Hey guys, welcome back to the Walking Closer podcast. This is episode 106. Thanks for tuning in. In this episode, we're talking about Dallas Willard, the divine conspiracy, and the practical nature of the teachings of Jesus. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. We're all formed by our life experiences, but sometimes these experiences shape us in negative ways. And the process of spiritual transformation can help undo those negative impacts so we can live life to the fullest. And walking closer is all about this journey through internal transformation where real changes happen from the inside out. So in the last two episodes, I gave you a little history about myself and my approach to life as to where I am at this point and and why I do these podcasts. Now, this episode will be the first of a few episodes where I want to once again examine some of the work of someone whose writings have been a huge influence in my life. And that person is the late Dallas Willard. If you're not familiar with Dallas Willard, he was a philosopher and a professor at the University of Southern California, USC. And he wrote extensively on spiritual formation from a Christian perspective. In fact, I dedicated the first 20 or 30 podcast episodes to examining his book called The Renovation of the Heart, which which was a book that, that I thought was so practical and brought so much clarity to me personally. And I, and I thought people, people could really benefit from it. So I shared what I had learned. And what I want to do today and moving forward is something very similar with another one of his books called The Divine Conspiracy. So this is what I will be doing over the next couple of weeks. And I'm not sure how much I'm going to go through or how long the series will be, but well, that, that's the plan. We're going, to, we're going to go through the divine conspiracy, and I'm going to share with you things that I have learned. Now, I think one of the reasons why this book and many of Willard's writings are influential is because they are so practical, and Willard seemed to have a strong desire to present spiritual concepts in concrete terms for people, and, and at least that's what I see in his writings. And with that being said, though, Dallas was a philosopher in the ways in which he said things at time, well, it just gives you a lot to chew on. In fact, sometimes I find it really pointless as I'm reading his books to highlight anything because, well, everything gives you something uh, to chew on and everything would be, would be highlighted. But I will, what I will try to do, and I'm going to try my best, is to share with you what I took from this book and what I think might be helpful to you. So let me introduce you to this book. Dallas, Dallas said that he wrote the book in hopes of reaching those who believe they already understand Jesus. Uh, this is literally the first thing he mentions in the introduction of this book. Obviously, he thought there was a problem if, if he's trying to open people's ears to rethinking and changing uh, perspectives. Dallas, he seemed to think that there was a disconnect between the mainstream view of Jesus and, and, and how people in Jesus's day saw him. Now, of course, we know that there is always a difference in perspectives between people who, well, who actually live through the experience and those who only hear about the experience. But I think Dallas was touching on something much deeper. I think he's, he's touching on our approach to Jesus, what we think about when we think about Jesus. What we think about him is extremely important, especially for those who claim to be Christians. And this is what Dallas is addressing. 
See, for many, and maybe even most, the the relevance of Jesus seems to be relegated to a completely different realm than the one in which we live our daily lives. So Jesus is essentially that guy who, who stepped in and took the brunt of the wrath of his father so we can all go to the good place once we die. But Dallas, Dallas didn't think many people could see how relevant Jesus is in our day-to-day lives. And, and hence, people relegate Jesus to this other realm and have this basically this view that I just previously mentioned. Dallas said we have, we have essentially taken the words and life of Jesus and turned them into dogma, that is what you have to believe, and then law, what you must do no matter what. And today we essentially sum this up by calling it God's will. And Dallas believed that this all had somehow created a disconnect with real day-to-day life, with our present realities and Jesus. And this disconnect can be seen in just how and what people think about Jesus. I remember being in a lecture where the teacher asked people what they thought about Jesus the man. I think he was asking for for words, so what word or words come to mind when you think about Jesus? And so immediately all kinds of hands go up and people begin to fire off all these typical things we think we're supposed to say or think about Jesus. And this goes on for, for a while, and then the teacher stops everyone and says, well, do you think Jesus was smart? What about smart? Is that something that comes to your mind? Does anyone think Jesus was a smart guy? And I wonder if anyone had thought of Jesus in this way. See, it's, it's, it's one thing to think Jesus was divine, the Christ, someone who settled some things in realms somewhere else. And it's another thing to see Jesus as a human who said and did things that were extremely relevant to living in the present reality. And when I say re- relevant, I mean relevant in your day-to-day activity, and, and not just a set of dogmas and doctrines, something that's kind of over there that you're supposed to do, but something quite practical in nature. And, and at least we know it was quite practical for those to whom he spoke. In fact, Dallas described Jesus' words as being subversive uh, of established arrangements and ways of thinking. And if you don't believe that that was the case, just look at how people responded to the things he said and did. I mean, for the most part, it was the poor, the destitute, the hopeless, the, the, the common person of his day that, that loved him. And for the most part, those who were in power, the establishment, well, they wanted to get rid of him. Why? Because the things he was saying and what he was doing was challenging, but it was also speaking into the current state of people's day-to-day affairs. It was speaking into their realities. And so when Jesus said things like, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, yeah, it was subversive, and it could have elicited various responses. It was, it was subversive because it was a claim that another kingdom was coming. Kingdom, kingdom and empire meant certain things to people. It meant rulers jostling for power. It represented war and upheaval and possibly famine and death. And and they may have wanted nothing to do with this because they were just people trying to survive and, and understood what it was like to be caught up in rulers trying to assert their dominance. Now, for some, this may have sounded like a challenge to their own authority and power. And then for others, hearing Jesus say this, it was 
It was like the sound of redemption, of freedom, of liberation, especially when when the one saying these words was doing some powerful things. It, It would have emboldened people. It would have given people hope that things can get better and that change was just on the horizon. Now, the point is, the words of Jesus had a real impact on the listeners. They weren't they weren't necessarily received as theological concepts. They had real-life practical implications, and, and people, people responded accordingly to how what he was saying would affect their day-to-day, like what it meant for them, and it really meant something. But for many of us today, well, the words of Jesus are just those things we have to believe, dogma, or things we have to do, law. And there's really no real connection to our real lives beyond just making sure we have the right answers to the questions that describe what we are supposed to believe or or do. It's the reason we can claim certain things about God, about the Bible, about Jesus, etc., but at the same time, those claims are not really reflected in our day-to-day lives. In other words, those claims are words only, and our actions, our lives, don't reflect those claims. See, there's there's a disconnect. And then, then if we become aware of that disconnect, we, we have no clue. We have no clue what to do. So we just try and force it and then, well, becomes more about behavior management just because, well, this is supposed to be what we do, right? Um, and that to me, it just, it demonstrates a massive disconnect between Jesus and our daily lives and his relevance and his practicality. And so I have to say that I agree with Willer's assessment, and, and partly because I have experienced it myself. See, for me, being a Christian for so long meant living in a reality of what Willard called the supposed to be's, that well, it just seemed to make life harder or unbearable. And when I was taught, or should I should say how I was receiving what I was taught about Jesus— and how I was experiencing life, like my day-to-day realities, well, they weren't meshing up. And one of the main reasons they weren't meshing up was because of my perspective of all of this, mainly my perspective of Jesus and what he said, who he was, his relevancy, his practicality. And Dallas, Dallas believed that the people to whom Jesus spoke did not experience the words of Jesus as something they had to believe or do because otherwise something bad would happen to them, something that wasn't connected to their present circumstances. So to them, the life and words of Jesus spoken to, well, real lives of people. And to many, Jesus was, well, someone to admire and respect, someone thought highly of, and someone who was considered to have great ability. And this all was before he died, okay? This is, this, this is before the development of theological concepts and how Jesus fulfilled uh, the things that people believe he fulfilled. You see, these, these things about Jesus were not void of intellectual and practical meaning, as they seem to so many today. And while Jesus did live during a certain period of time within a certain social and cultural context, when you look at what Look at what his life, what he did, and what he said. We have principles that are applicable for any time in any place. 
And when we examine the life of Jesus, his, his teachings, his actions, they, they're not void of intellectual argument. Well, and quite the contrary, because they have provided the world with centuries of thought and intellectual exploration that, that goes beyond whether Jesus was divine or not. I mean, just, just stop and think about what it means to love your enemy, right? The, 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 the thought of doing such a thing, the thought of, of having the ability to do such a thing and to contemplate the fruit of doing it, to, to ask why that might actually be a good idea. It goes beyond just the simple fact that Jesus said it, right? So do it. Like to consider what it might take to actually do it. Like what it might, what, what, it, what doing that might do to a person. It's life-changing. And, and while contemplating it might send you into the depths, it's, it's quite practical in nature. And, and I've come to believe that and see that it is it is a part of the the best possible way to live a life that well that leads to true happiness and, and joy. What what Jesus called the abundant life. And, and these are things that have to do with our present realities, what we have to deal with from day to day. It's very relevant and very practical. And I think so many of us, and, and, and I, know, I know I'm making broad accusations, but it has just been what I have seen. But I think so many of us use Jesus as a way to escape from the day-to-day. And what I mean by that is we, we might just use Jesus to only focus on what is going to happen after we die. And we don't see how Jesus was incredibly, incredibly practical for living in this present life. And to this point, let me just mention a few things here. Some people just use Jesus to focus on the afterlife, and they think that that's the only thing that makes him relevant. And in the meantime, they just kind of float through life waiting for the end to come where they can escape this this place. And when when we're only focused on what happens after we die, and and I'm saying that that isn't something we should think about, but when it's the only reason we think about Jesus— I think, I think we're missing out on the incredible gift it is to live and how, how Jesus showed us the best way to do it. See, I think Jesus gives us the blueprint for how to live the best life, a life that is, that is not contingent on our circumstances or our possessions or where we live. And, and I, think, I think that when we fail to see how smart a guy Jesus was, I mean, he was a really intelligent person. And we fail to see how practical he was to living life in this world. All this leads to a bunch of us, well, claiming to be Christians, but there's no real discipleship to Jesus happening. And, and, and we can say all day long that we are about making disciples of Jesus, but what do we even mean by that? Again, I, I'm going to make a broad statement here, but, but it, it seems to me that the general thoughts of making disciples of Jesus is just simply getting people to pledge allegiance to him. And again, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean to pledge allegiance to Jesus? And again, from, from my perspective, it seems we pledge allegiance to Jesus in the same way we pledge allegiance to a flag. It, it, it's something we, we grow up doing as children every day, right, in school without giving much thought to what we're actually saying. Like, pledging allegiance to Jesus is simply making a statement that you believe in Jesus or that you have faith in Jesus, but do we really know what it means to believe in Jesus or have faith in Jesus? See, to believe in Jesus means you are entrusting yourself to him. 
to believe in Jesus, it's not just about some list of statements about Jesus that you're willing to go along with. To entrust yourself to something or someone means you're putting something into the hands of another, right? Now, obviously, I think what we're entrusting into the hands of Jesus is our lives, and that's not just about after we die. It's in the present moment. It's relevant and practical for now. We entrust our lives into the hands of Jesus, trusting that his way of living in this world leads to the best life. Now, why would I entrust my life into the hands of another? Well, because I have faith in them. But again, to so many, I think Faith is just simply some mental gymnastics where the mind is forced to go along with certain things for no good reasons. But that's not faith. That, that's stupidity. Faith isn't blind. Faith is based on good reasons. And again, the word faith has to do with trust and loyalty and dependability. And when, when you decide to trust to be loyal and to be dependable to someone or something, it's going to be for good reasons. In, in, in other words, There are things you are going to be able to point to for why you trust, why you're loyal, why you are dependable. And from my perspective, when I look at some of what Jesus said and did, I actually, and and I actually practice it, I try it out, try to live it. It's, it was, first of all, very practical. And second of all, rewarding. And by the way, that's what a disciple of Jesus does, right? We come to him with the intent to listen, to learn, and to actually try and put into practice what we learn. And through that process, we experience the fruit of it all. But when we don't see Jesus in this way, intellectual and practical, All we can do is try and get people to pledge allegiance to Jesus, and we can't really even show them how practical he is. Willard says, all we're really left to do is try and keep attracting people to things in order to keep them around. And that's, that's not discipleship. It's not discipleship if we can't show people how it's practical and meets them in their daily activities. Like, it's just not. And, and I, I think... I think because we have failed to see Jesus in this way, this is why the life and teachings of Jesus have been relegated to dogma and law. We see Jesus primarily through a judicial lens. And that's neither practical nor relevant to our daily experiences. And if it was, I think things would be quite different. I, think, I don't think this would be, this would be an issue. Uh, books like The Divine Conspiracy and discussions such as this would not need to be had. And again, when as a Christian you don't see Jesus as relevant or practical, your method of converting is going to be primarily trying to convince people of dogmas and laws. But as Willard says, being a disciple of Jesus is not just about who you worship or what you claim. It's, it's practical. It takes the life of Jesus seriously, and it sees the practicality in what Jesus said. I know people will argue for simple obedience, but again, how do we see and understand that? So for instance, Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith, right? Good example of faith, who who was obedient. But he was obedient because he had good reasons. He had reasons he could point to as to why he could trust God and follow him. 
See, his obedience wasn't blind. He had good reasons. He, he thought it through. But we see obedience today in the same way we might see, well, a stop sign or the same way we might see you know, speed limits and follow them. So we stop at the stop signs, right, because they're there. And we follow the speed limits because they are there. It's what we're supposed to do. It's the law. But do we see the practicality in any of it? See, stop signs and speed limits are strategically put in place because of very practical concerns. For instance, about a block from where I live, like ever since we moved here, and we've been here about nine years now, there was a four-way stop, and I hated that intersection. There was entirely too much traffic for a four-way stop there. And as a result, wrecks were a common occurrence. That is, until they put in a traffic light. Now, that intersection typically runs extremely smooth. Hardly ever see any problems since they put in the traffic lights. See, installing the traffic lights and people following the direction of the lights is a very practical thing it's for your safety and the safety of others it's practical and and i think in the same way jesus was and is very relevant and practical but do we see him this way or do we or do we just see him through the lens of dogma and law and when you think about the idea of conforming to and obeying the teachings of Jesus as essential, do you think they have any practical meaning at all? Like, Do you see them as essential because you see the relevance and the practicality of them? Or is it just because, well, that's supposed to be the way you're supposed to see them, and it's what, well, it's what you're supposed to do? When we, when we talk about obedience, I think we, again— are still thinking judicially, like it's it's law. Obedience is because I have to. But why? <laughs> like, do, do you feel you have to because you see how beneficial it is to your day-to-day reality? See, the words of Jesus spoken to the real lives of people, and they still speak into the real lives of people today. But I think I think we have looked at all of this for so long through judicial lens that many things have lost their meaning for us. And I think it's why Christianity here in the West is so politicized and equated to one or another political party or social movement and not necessarily seen as the best life strategy that we could have. And this is what Willard addresses and promotes in The Divine Conspiracy. In fact, Dallas Willard, he said it this way. He says, individual Christians still hear Jesus say, Whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like those intelligent people who build their houses upon rock, standing firm against every pressure of life. How life-giving it would be if their understanding of the gospel allowed them simply to reply, I will do them, I will find out how, and I will devote my life to it. This is the best life strategy I have ever heard of. And then go off to their fellowship and its teachers and into their daily life to learn how to live in his kingdom as Jesus indicated was best. Now those are Willard's own words from the introduction of this book. And while Dallas was hoping to reach people who already think they know Jesus, 
Obviously, it can be extremely helpful for those who don't. And if it can be shown that Jesus is relevant and practical to our everyday affairs, anyone can benefit from that. And I think, I think this is what Willard sets out to do in this book. And it's what I hope to show you in the weeks to come. So, there it is. Episode 106, Practical and Relevant. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts if you're interested in the audio versions. And if you're listening to the audio version, head over to YouTube and find us there uh, if you're interested in these videos and watching the podcast. So all the links will be in the descriptions for, for either. All right. So that's all for now. Grace and peace. And I will talk to you soon.